Welcome back to our Walk in Christ with a daily walk. Of course, as I had said last time, I'm doing the daily walk sitting down now, just to get a lot better video quality. Um, as much as I really like the walking and talking, there's a, too much joltiness that uh, eh, motion sickness is a thing. So I want to just do something else. So basically what I'm doing is I'm just walking, finding a nice spot, sitting down, hopefully finding some nice scenery. So I like this. I'm actually, um, uh, there must be a, I'm thinking there's a sinkhole um, nearby because there's actually two tributaries that run into the stream bed I'm in and there's no water at all. And there hasn't been for weeks actually. Uh, it's kind of a, quite curious because at the beginning of the summer, this was a creek. <laughs> so, but I'm in the middle sitting in the rock bed because I thought it was a very nice scenery. Uh, but regardless, uh, today we are going to talk about unity um, because this is something that we hear a lot uh, in, in light of the modern church growth movements. And the church growth movements are really out there too. You know, they, they just have this concept of this, we just got to get the kingdom big and just got to build the church. The problem is, Oftentimes, this the church growth movement denies sound biblical truth. They'll they'll grab onto one or two good verses because that's our culture. We're in this one verse culture, so they'll take one or two good verses out of the thing, and they'll just be like, you know, we have to be unified. Okay, that's fine. Let's be unified. On what basis? Well, if you want to unify yourself on the basis of business practices, you're going to encourage disunity among the people who want to stand on scripture. And uh, so I've been watching some, uh, 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 there's a gentleman that does some, some very good documentaries, um, and uh, the one is called Church of Terrors, which looks at this entire church growth movement, uh, primarily with its, uh, you know, with, with essentially the leader of it is Rick Warren, and, uh, you know, Rick Warren and Bill Hybels, and it goes through the, the foundational things of that, and uh, I kind of want to preserve that general topic for another video. So today I would just want to talk about unity and what is it that causes disunity? And something else that struck me is I was I was flipping through uh, for for some history and some work that I'm doing on another book right now. Um, I was digging through some histories and I I was jumping back and forth between uh, Calvin's Institutes and uh, Shave's History of the Church. And I found some very interesting passages that, from Calvin, and uh, one of them is, um, I'm trying to remember what the source is from the one. It was quoted in length by Schaeff, um, but uh, it, there's a corollary in, uh, in, in Calvin's book, uh, uh, book 4, section 2, uh, or uh, book 4, chapter 2, section 6 through 12, which also discusses unity, of course, because Calvin was one of those, one of the people driving the Reformation. And, uh, of course, the Reformation inherently was a separation from the main church of the time, which would be the Roman Catholic Church. And so he addresses that in, in the source that Schaeff quoted from and in, in Institutes, book four, uh, book 4, chapter 2, sections 6 through 12. And it brought up some very fascinating things as I looked at this, because we are in desperate need of a new reformation right now. And even Rick Warren wants to talk about this new reformation, but he wants a social reformation that seems to look Christian. And frankly, I think that's evil to have this entire social reformation that you're saying is a Christian reformation. But in reality, it's not. Now, if you want to have a social reformation and leave God out of the thing, um, I'm okay with that. But don't sit there and declare yourself a church and don't sit there and say, we're I'm building a new reformation. Because a reformation itself means going back 
to the roots. What was the Reformation about? The Reformation was about people looking back to the scriptures. And there were small pockets. If you study the Reformation in the church, there were small pockets of the Reformation in various locations. There wasn't just one Reformation. It was a very disjointed, what you might call today a grassroots movement. And of course, they centered eventually on Geneva being a place for, um, for persecuted Protestants to live and to dwell, uh, in which John Calvin had a whole lot to do with that. And so you had Martin Luther was standing up not because he wanted a rebellion against the church, he wanted the church to clarify a lot of its false doctrine. And the 95 Theses itself was specifically about the, the indulgences, calling people to go back and calling the church to go back and say, no, it's more important to help serve people, that we need to, we need to have this solid Christian root where we have deep, both deep faith in God and we also need to have uh, not only deep faith in God, but we also need to have uh, a lot of service to mankind all put together. And what he was battling against at that time was the indulgences being pushed out by the Catholic Church. That's all the 95 Theses was about, is the indulgences. Well, it turns out that right around that time is when the printing press was done. And, and uh, you know, of course, Luther nailed this on the door uh, on the door at Wittenberg and he didn't do this in protest he did this because that's how you encourage a debate at that time because he wanted to have a discussion and a debate with the church leaders and with the academicians and that's exactly why he did it so some students took it translated it into the common tongue and ran it through printing presses and that's kind of what what happened there and then um, you had uh, 20 uh, John Calvin was 25 years younger than Luther and they of course spawn a little bit, but never actually met. Um, and, um, and there was just these little pockets of the Reformation. But the Reformation itself, and as, as Calvin even pointed out, that, that even the founding of the church was disunity with the synagogues at the time. And as the Protestants had the Reformation against the Catholic Church, it wasn't that they threw everything the Catholic Church wanted to do aside. It's they said, we want to stand on these principles, and the Catholic Church just insisted on killing them instead. And so they started their own thing. And so it started with Geneva, of course, um, and then there was just a lot of a lot of back and forth uh, with the various different uh, reformers and different people and different views. And of course, the Catholic Church still held so much influence that they had the power to put people to death and have the political influence, whereas the reformers really didn't, and it really started to look once again like the old founding of the church, founded on the scripture, isolated little pockets, no huge churches, no huge buildings, and the foundation was on the scriptures alone. A reformation goes back. But what guys like Warren want, they don't want a reformation. They want a revolution. A revolution is when you overthrow what is there and institute your own principle. Because a reformation goes back to the root. A revolution goes forward to something different. That's what Warren wants. He doesn't want a reformation. It sounds good. It sounds better because, you know, the... Uh, the various, I'll use the word sheeple, that are under his tutelage have no concept of what the history is in overwhelming degrees. And so what happens is they start looking back and they go, oh, I heard about a reformation and this must be a good thing. And the reality is what they want isn't a reformation, it's a revolution. But the problem is we are in desperate need of a reformation because these mega churches are starting to take over Christendom and they're getting so large and it's getting to the point where 
the, the leaders in these churches want to cast their own vision, and in casting their own vision, they will not listen to the sound reason of the people who come up and say, this is not necessarily scriptural, but they come up and say, well, we have our committee, and we have our group, and we have our people, and this is what we're going to do. And what ends up happening is people are starting to follow the church once again, rather than God once again. And that's exactly what happened in the 1500s, which sparked Calvin and the Reformation. It sparked Luther and the Reformation and the various other small pockets of Reformation was when people were listening to the church before they were listening to the sound reason of the scriptures. Now, the difference is in that time, the common man could not read the Bible out of both A, a matter of education, and B, a matter of not having the scriptures in their common language. Of course, some of the early reformers were translating it into the common tongue and paid for it with their life. But it's the Protestant Reformation that translated the scriptures into the common tongue and taught people how to read it. So if you think that Christianity is anti-progressive, no, Christianity is not anti-progressive. It's people who want to always hold on to the past with never looking on to the future, or people wanting to move on to the future without looking to the past. Both of those are errors. We have to walk the middle ground in between them. And so, what we need to do as Christians is we need to get back to the roots of the Scripture. And if the church is doing something not in alignment with the Scripture, you need to either take a stand or take a walk. That's what you got to do. Because the reality is we're getting so many churches now that are just so difficult uh, to, to really understand what is real biblical truth. And that in and of itself is posing some challenges. And uh, that's the thing that saddens me the most, that the biggest churches in my town are the churches that are adopting the church growth movement, and they fundamentally deny the tenets of Scripture. In fact, I remember I was in a meeting with, with one of the church pastors and stuff about 10 years ago. And he's going through all these business plans. I looked at him and said, isn't this all rather pragmatic? He says, so what if it is? Well, so what if it is? The scripture tells us to preach the gospel, not to be pragmatic in what we're doing. And that's really the fundamental difference is that we have to sit back and we have to say, we have to go back and we have to, to look at the scriptures and base what we do on the scriptures alone. Because I've been in this world for long enough to have seen philosophies come and go, I've seen ideas come and go, and the reality of the matter is, there's nothing in this world except God. There's nothing in this world except God. And only when we sit on the rock of Christ and the rock of the word, we don't care about the numbers. That's not the goal. The objective is not to care about the numbers. We do not need big youth groups. We need youth groups that are biblically sound. We do not need big churches. We need churches that are biblically sound. We need churches that found what they do on the scriptures that will preach Christ and preach Christ crucified. And if that offends the world, then that offends the world because that's what Jesus said was going to happen. But all too often we have churches now that are too afraid of offending the world. They're too afraid of that, that they do not call sin, sin. And that lends itself a challenge. When you stop calling sin, sin, that is when you have a problem. Because sin is the foundation of turning your life around. Because we are called to repentance. Repentance means to change your mind about sin and to start agreeing with God. You can only do that if you know what's in there. And so what we need to do is a reformation that goes back to the Word of God. 
Uh, I was started a point a while back here, and uh, I want to conclude that by saying that that in the 1500s, the common man did not have access to the Bible in their common language, and they did not have the knowledge to read. The Protestant Reformation gave the people the Bible in their common language and gave them the education to read. Nowadays, we have the Bibles especially in the Western Church, it's not universal, but in the Western Church we have access to our Bibles, but we don't read them. So, back 1500s, when the Reformation was really starting, the common people had to listen to the Church because they had no other alternative. Now our situation is worse, because we do have an alternative, but we listen to the Church anyway because it's easy. And when the Church disagrees with the Bible, we have to go with the Bible. And Although we want to be all unified in all things, and that's the principle to be unified, we cannot be unified if we cannot agree on the basic tenets. And the very first basic tenet of Scripture is to understand that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And if we start denying what sin is, we start denying our need of a Savior. And if we deny the need of a Savior, what is all this Christianity about? And that kind of brings us back full circle with what Warren wants to do. You know, his idea is is to do a whole lot of world missions to help feed people and all this, feed and educate and, and, and heal sick people. And that's all fine. That's all great. But those are all secondary things to preaching the gospel for the Christians. And the gospel is the one thing he is not interested in teaching. And so when you talk about disunity, yeah, that's why there's disunity. Because there's a whole faction of people out there who know what the scripture says and do not want anything to do with a lot of these things. And if you're part of one of these big church growth things that's more concerned about the numbers, I implore you to search your scriptures. Look at what happened when when uh, David, near the end of his life, it's in 2 Samuel. Is it 2 Samuel or 1 Samuel? I think it's 2 Samuel. Look at what happened with David at the end of his life when uh, when he became concerned with the numbers. I want you to read that. It's in 2 Samuel. I don't know what the verses are, but it's very, very end of 2 Samuel. Read through there what happened to him when he got concerned about the numbers and ask yourself, is it about the numbers or is it about the God? Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.